as we begin this second month, it's good that we continue on, on the Lord's Prayer. To see how through prayer, we can not only get that anointing, but also be empowered to do what God wants us to do. So if we want to impact God's people, if we want to impact lives in our community, if we want to touch people wherever we are, in our schools, in our cities, then this is one thing we all have to do, is to spend time with God. And so through your prayers, in your private prayer, in my own private prayer, we come to know God's purposes. We get empowered by God's Holy Spirit. And as He leads us and guides us, we will be able to see God's kingdom grow on earth. I mean, look at the examples given at Fresh Fire. We had that example of Moses meeting God in that burning bush. And that changed his whole life after that. Look at Enoch. He talked and walked with God until he walked with God straight to heaven. But yet, God changed after that. Yeah, I mean, things changed on earth after that. So, let's then turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. Where here we read the Lord's Prayer. Now, of course, uh, scholars have always discussed whether it's the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer, but that's not the uh, point. Huh? The point is, we have to come and pray. Yeah, the Lord teaches us how to pray. And so we'll be focusing on this for the next few weeks, for the next uh, few Sundays too. And so it is given to us, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we, for, as we have forgiven those of our debtors too. And then it goes on after that. Huh? Let us deliver us from evil. For the, huh? uh, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We all know that by heart. We all recite that. We teach our children that, that it becomes so automatic in our lives too. But this morning, we want to focus on the first two uh, statements. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But before we go into that, you find that this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, can be it's divided in a way into two halves. Verse 9 and 10 tells us of the, of the, of the proper noun, your. Whereas verse 11 to 15 shifts over to the pronoun, our. Yours and ours. Why? Why is it important for these pronouns? Well, when it comes to prayer, it's always yours first before ours. God should be first. His before mine. He before me. That's what Jesus Christ taught us. God should be first. Your will be done. Huh? Hallowed be your name. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. And then only is give us, lead us, and so on. So God should be always first. Even in our prayers too. So let's look at verse 9. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The first thing we notice about the Lord's Prayer can be summed up in the word paternity. Next slide. Hmm? So here we find the Greek word given to 
uh, we want to focus on the word father this first. Our father, it's not paternity. And the Greek word pater is where we get paternity. And you find that Jesus Christ from the very start as he, as, he, as he showed the disciples how to pray, he asked them to draw towards the Father. While the Greek word is talks about Peter, Jesus, when he was actually teaching about this, in his native Aramaic language, he uses the word Abba. Abba, uh, a very personal word, a very intimate word, a word that speaks of a wonderful relationship with the Father. I mean, my children call me Abba, almost close to Abba. Some people call Daddy, but that's what it means. A close, intimate relationship. And you notice Jesus, when he prayed, every time he prayed, it was always Father, my Father, or the Father. In all his prayers, except once, he didn't call God the Father. That was on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But all the other times, whenever he prayed, whenever he sought, it was always Father. And, what, and we have that privilege, as we had the communion just now this morning, we have that privilege to come before God, our Father. The Father who loves us, the Father who cares for us. You know, for the Jews, it was indeed a radical idea. I mean, how can you call God Father? For them, it's, I mean, it's almost next to impossible. God is a holy God. I am just His creation. I cannot call God the Father. So, but Jesus made that very clear to the disciples. Why? Because He wanted the disciples to relate to a loving Heavenly Father, yet one who cares personally, one who moves with them, one who knows them, and one who loves them. But to know God as Father, there is one condition. That is, we must come before Him. We must, it is for redeemed people. Not anyone. Not anyone can come. Yes, we were created by God, but that does not mean we are in relationship with God. We are born, yes. God made us, but we are not because sin has come and broken that relationship with God. So, our relationship with God, our relationship with God is not established at birth, but at the second birth. You have to know the Lord and be born again. You have come to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's what John chapter 1, verse 12 tells us. But to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. And further in Romans chapter 8, he tells us, 8 verse 15, For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And Galatians, lastly, Galatians 4 verse 6, and because you are his sons, and because you are sons, 
God had sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So we have to come and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we want to experience the loving, intimate relationship with the Father, with the Creator. And this morning, if you do not have this relationship with Him, and you cannot call God your Father because you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior yet, then it is time. It is time you come to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and to be called a child of God. And you can do that. You can do that. At the end of the service, we'll give you a number. You can just WhatsApp us, and I'm sure someone will talk to you. But you can do that right now. Wherever you are at home, or you're here, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior, and you don't have that relationship with God the Father, then come to Him this morning. Two elements speak of the Father. Firstly, it is intimacy. God's intimacy and God's love to us is one that is close, one that is intimate, one that is deep, one that is loving. If our earthly father was one, was a very good father who loved us, who cared for us, who provided all for us, then God is many times more than that. He's a heavenly father. Everything is, for, is there at your disposal. And he can give you all that. That's a father. Of course, if you have a father who is not good, but maybe you don't know or you haven't experienced love from him, then come and experience the love of God the Father. Come and he will care for you. He will love for you. Because as a father, he protects, he teaches, he comforts, he provides, he imparts wisdom, he shares moments of intimacy. And he always has the best interest at heart. And our God does not have limitations. Our earthly fathers have limitations. But God, our heavenly Father, has no limitations whatsoever. You can come as you are, you can seek Him, and He will definitely provide for you and for your life. Secondly, also, Father speaks of authority. Yes, well, on one hand, he's intimate, he's caring, he's loving. On the other hand, God also has, the Father has authority over our life. And therefore, we are called to obey. We are called to respect. We are called to yield to him. Just as we submit to our earthly father, we are called to submit to our heavenly father. Yes, some of the times God the Father, or God Heavenly Father might show you things which you do not like. For us to do things which you might not like, which you find difficult, which you find, why should I be facing all this? But God the Father, that God the Father calls for submission. You know, the wonderful thing about our Heavenly Father, that He does not demand obedience. He's not like a tyrant or like the army general who says, whatever I say, you do. No. The decision is yours. Are you willing to submit to him and his will and do what he has called you to do? The blessings and peace that we gain from just surrendering, surrendering our lives 
to Him and summoning ourselves to Him, you will be amazed at what the blessings come about. Because through the grace of God, through His love, you can and will be able to fulfill whatever He has called you for. You will be able to fulfill God's calling in your, in your life. You know, our earthly fathers, I said, said earlier, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9. Next one. We have earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much more rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? Sometimes, yes, God is our Father. God is a loving Father. God is a caring Father, but sometimes we must confess we take advantage of it too. Just because we think he doesn't see us or he's far away somewhere up there, we don't give him our due respect. We don't give him our whole life. And we take him for granted. We continue to enjoy the sins in our life. We continue to indulge in things that offend our Heavenly Father. We continue to walk in ways or do things that hurt His heart. And sometimes God has to take the difficult step of disciplining you and me too. It's painful. It is, sometimes it gets weary, but ultimately it's for your good. So, ask yourself, are you struggling with something now? Are you struggling with a trial right now? Facing pressures, loss of job, ailing parent, maybe ailing child? Are you weighed down by anxiety? Things around the world are not going the way we should expect it to be. Things in, our, uh, in your life full of hindrances, doubts, and you feel God the Father is far away. Then, Remember, He is our Heavenly Father. He is your Father. Heavenly Father is mine. He loves you. He wants to be with you. He cares for you. He promises never to leave you or forsake you. And He's ready there with all the resources of heaven to shower upon you too. That's our Heavenly Father. That's the first thing. The second thing we want to see about the Lord's Prayer is summed up in the word plurality. The word our. And just our tells, our speaks of plurality. Now, when Jesus taught the disciples about this, our Father who art in heaven, I mean, to the Jews, in a sense, it was not strange for them to say our, our to pray for them as a family, as a group. Because at that time, when the Jews often prayed, it's always in a community. So for them, it was a bit norm to say that, you know, we can pray for one another. But Jesus reminds us that when we say our Father, He reminds us that we are members of one big family of God that stretches across race, stretches across borders, stretches across time. I mean, you can go to any part of the world and you, if you're a believer, you can just go to a church and you can feel at home in the church. I remember when we went to 
uh, New Zealand's a couple of years ago, uh, <coughs> yes, about two years ago, we were there for a couple of months. So we wanted to attend a church. So I looked up at, the, at Google and searched for a church, and then we found a Baptist church then. And so I told my wife, okay, we will go this Sunday. So we went there. And the very first Sunday that we went there, I mean, as we entered the church, I mean, we were strangers in the church, there the people just come out, welcome. So many people came greeting. The pastors came greeting, the members came. And immediately we felt so wonderful. You know, because we haven't gone to church for a couple of weeks before then. And so we find, we find at home. I'm sure many of you can testify. We go to India, for example. There you can find the church and you feel at home. So anywhere in the world you go, you find that you're part of a great big family. And so when you call our Father, it's a relationship with others in the body of Christ. And we are in communion with one another. And the, that's the wonderful thing, isn't it? When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, Yes, we are alone. We believe personally, individually. But the moment we come and believe in God, in Jesus Christ as our Savior, and accept God as our Father, immediately we belong to that wonderful family of God. And we are there. The family is there to encourage, to build, to protect, to assist, and always care for one another. And that's a relationship we can have with each other. We are never alone. That's the wonderful thing. And secondly, you find ours also speaks ah, oh, sorry. And that you can turn to 1 Corinthians. It's a, it's, it's a pro, sorry. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. This is the one. Okay. Now you are in the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. We are all part of the body of Christ in high point life. Down here in Klang down there in uh, KK, over there in India, we are all part of that body of Christ. And therefore, as members of the body of Christ, we belong to each other also. As the Bible tells us, now, if one part of the body hurts, the whole body feels it. And therefore, we are there to care for one another, to protect one another, to help each other and love each other. Secondly, ours also speaks of the pronoun of partnership. It teaches us that we are to pray for one another and with others. Partnership in prayer. Partnership in service. You know, and therefore, when we come and pray together, it's always a good thing. Co corporate prayer, in, especially with the Jews, is normal. For them, it's good. They always come together as families, gather and pray in the synagogue. And to us today as a church, how important it is, therefore, that we come and pray together alone. We are not to pray alone to God, but pray with others and for others so that they too are covered by our prayers. I mean, you look at Jesus Christ when he says here in the next part in other verses of the Lord's Prayer, Pray like this, give us, forgive us, lead us in our prayers. It's always together, a partnership in prayer. So, for example, yes, you can pray alone at home. Individually, you can pray. And when you pray, 
Lord, not just give me good health, but let's pray. We can pray for the family. Give us good health. Lord, we pray for the sick. Remember those who are sick. When you pray alone at home, yes, remember others too. Because that's what the hour, for hour the word hour stands for. A partnership in prayer. Not only praying in the community, but praying together with the others in the community. Again, two things about our, the word hour here we can talk of. Firstly, as I said, it's family. Next slide. Okay, the first thing is we belong to a family, as I've shared with you earlier, so I won't go with it, but being part of God's family is one of the greatest blessings that God has bestowed upon you and me. You know, it's wonderful, isn't it? We can call one another up, can share our problems, can share the difficulties we face, and rest assured, we, they pray for us too. I'm sure when you've called Pastor Stephen, I'm sure on the phone too, he has prayed for you. So you can call one another. We can WhatsApp one another. You know, my, uh, in, I've got a, a prayer group of brothers with me. And we can always WhatsApp. Whatever needs we have, whatever problems we have, family issues, children's issues, whatever issues, and you find we can always pray for one another. And that's what we can do nowadays in this age of communication. We can always, if you need someone to come and see you and call, I'm sure if you pray, Pastors and others will come to you and pray for you too. So that's the family. Secondly, it also talks about unity. We are united. Okay? We are together in unity. Not only do we pray together in unity, but also in serving together. Working together in building the kingdom of God. We are different, but we work and serve together. First Peter chapter 4, 10 and 11 tells us this. He says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. In every who speaks, he should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And who serves, they should do with the strength of God provides, so that in all things God be praised, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. In all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So when you pray this prayer each day, our Father who art in heaven, remember that there's a family behind you. Remember that there are, there are others behind you praying for you also, and you also praying for them. So we have, firstly, our God as our Father. Secondly, God has made us into a family, ours. Thirdly, and taking the rest of verse 9, it says, Hallowed be your name. Okay. Could sum up in this word, Hallowed be your name. And the word Hallowed be, here's, what does it mean? I mean, most of us know about Halloween, but many of us don't know what actually Hallow is. Hallow means holy. Holy be your name also. And the, 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 the why I put primacy there is because that is the most important thing. Primacy basically means what is and should be first. The first should be God. What is the most greatest, what is of chief importance? It is God. I mean, you look at Jesus Christ when he taught this prayer. 
says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He begins the prayer by recognizing that not only God as a loving Father, but who invites us into His presence, into His heavenly presence. Huh? But He quickly draws our attention to God's holiness. See, very often when we come to God in prayer, what do we do? First thing, we've got, we got issues in our lives, we've got problems we are facing, and many things are occupying our mind. And then we just pour out our hearts to God and ask God, God, this, 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 I've got this problem, I've got these issues, I've got so many are uh, facing this, why don't you help me to overcome? Instead of drawing our hearts and minds to God first, that's what Jesus Christ did. The Greek root tells us of the word hello means hagias and tells us God you are not only the holy God but you are a God who is worthy and almighty. I mean you look at that, the holiness of God when we look into the, enter the God, God's holy presence you know, hear the holiness of God it's in all, our, in all his things. His love is holy love. His justice, holy justice. His knowledge, holy knowledge. Reverence Him as holy. It's all about God's holiness. The question is, does God, do we need to pray, God, you be more holy? No. It's not, because God is really holy. Nothing more superior. It reflects upon us that we ourselves have to live holy lives. No matter how desperate our situation, no matter how urgent our request, no matter how whatever issues you face, we must come recognizing the holiness of God and hello His name. That's what Romans chapter 8, verse 28 tells us. Next. And we know that all things, all those who love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to His purpose. So sometimes we are too quick to ask God, take away the trouble, huh? take away the problems that I'm facing. God, come and help me, guide me, and just get me through this. We are too quick to do that. But what did Jesus Christ do? In his prayer at the Garden of Eden, in his prayer at the Garden of Eden, in John chapter 12, verse 27 and 28, when Jesus Christ was praying, what did he do? He says, now my soul is troubled. Yes, he was finding it troubling in his heart too. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came. I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify again. Even though Jesus Christ was facing in trouble in his soul, Jesus Christ wanted as much as possible to take that, ask God to take away the cup of suffering. But yet, his focus was on one thing, glorifying God. He says, glorify your name. Father, glorify your name. That's hallowed be your name. And then God the Father may reply, I have glorified it, I will glorify it again. 
And that's what we do. When we have issues, when we have problems, when we are facing difficulties in our life, yes, ask God to be glorified through that. Ask God's name to be raised and raised up in that issue. And you'll find that God will truly be honored and glorified. You know, God's name, Jehovah, it's, I mean, there's power in his name. God's name is so wonderful. I mean, there are so many names given in the Bible that talks about his character, his attributes, his very nature. And everyone has wonderful name. Look at some of the names given in the Bible. I'll just give some on the slide for you to see. Huh? It says, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Rophe, my healer. Jehovah Nisi, my banner. My sanctifier, my supplier. Adonai, my master. We drank this morning. The name of Jesus brings salvation. Jesus shall save people from his sins. Proverbs, we read, the name of the Lord is a strong and mighty tower. Yes, the name of Jesus Christ. God's name will not only protect us. God's name will not only be a banner of our soul, but in the name of Jesus, everything, God will be honored and glorified. So how then, how do we hallow his name in our lives? Firstly, present your bodies. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 tells us, Therefore, I urge you, brethren and sisters, in view of God's mercy, next, to offer bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by any of your mind, that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing, and perfect will. Present our bodies as a holy, living sacrifice to God. A call, and that's how we hallow God's name. Let me just read to you. You know, this morning, uh, I got this uh, WhatsApp message. Very timely indeed. And it says here, you know, it says, it has been said that the only eternal thing that we cannot do on earth, only eternal thing that we can do on earth and we can't do in heaven is to win souls for Christ. And that appeals to the evangelists among us. After all, we can live as a reflection of our Father and glorify Him in, place, in places where glory is hard to see. We can worship God in the middle of adversity, which makes for a startling testimony in the here and now. We can do the works of Jesus by His power, like feeding the hungry and healing the sick allowing others to experience God's touch long before heaven. We can pray for the kingdom of God and against the evils infecting the world. We can comfort people with the comfort of God. We can forgive people of their sins as representatives of Jesus, leading them to confession. 
We can do all kinds of good works that prove that we are God's handiwork, that His name will be ultimately honoured and hallowed. In short, we can shine in the dark. An opportunity that will not be able to fulfil in the kingdom of light, we are invited into a robust, comprehensive mission. Your lifetime, however long it lasts, is the moment for you to honour God and shine with eternal truth in the midst of a fallen and broken creation. Never minimize the opportunity. It will become visible to men and angels as a reflection of who God is and what He has done. Your light becomes an eternal testimony to the glory of God now and forever. Yes, we can hallow God's name, not only by living a, sec, uh, a life that pleases God, but by doing, which leads me to the next point, that we hallow God's name by pro proclaiming the name of God. That's, that's what we do here, which we can't do in heaven. We are called to proclaim the name. And each time we go and proclaim the name of God, of Jesus Christ, the people around us, we are hallowing His name. That's one thing we can do. Acts chapter 5, verse 42 tells us, day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. We can only proclaim the name of Jesus by our lips but more so by our lives and by our actions, as I read to you just now. We can do such things that ultimately will bring light only to your lives, but ultimately will hallow and will lift up the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When both our life and our doctrine of what we share and what we teach, what we share with others are together, God's name is honoured and God will truly bring his blessings upon you. So, we, thirdly, we can hallow God's name by protecting his name. You know, in this world today, many abuse the name of Jesus Christ. Many abuse the name of God. Oh my God, they will tell you. Oh, yes, you see in many... Uh, as you see in TV or in movies, uh, how they take the name of Jesus always in all kinds of situations. We are God's representatives on earth. We are God's children. We bear the name of Christ. And therefore, we have to learn to honor and protect His name. Yes, when God commands us to take a stand, for him in, his, in the whole star situation. Yes, it's not easy. It, might take, it takes courage. But because of our, our respect for God, because we want to honour God, we stand firm. And we don't yield. It's not going to be easy. Definitely it's not. That's what Jesus Christ says. Isn't it? Men shall hate you because they hate me. And so we have always learned. Learn 
to hallow God's name. We, uh, we present our bodies, we proclaim His name, and we protect His name. You know, the wonderful part or the wonderful thing about the whole of Lord's Prayer is that the power rests in that name. Hallowed be thy name. Jesus starts with your name. He ends the prayer with your glory. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. It reminds us again that ultimately God is the one who is to be honoured in all that we do. Prayer is not a religion. No, it's not a religion. You know that over the past month, my wife and I had to attend three funerals, all relatives of my good wife. But, you know, when we went to those funerals, it's not only the funeral, the ceremonies that they go through, sometimes the things they have got to go through, and after that, 16 days every night, gathering together to pray and to just this, uh, doing all those things. Huh? It takes a toll on the children and the family. It's not easy. For them, they feel if they don't do it, they feel guilty or they feel maybe they'll be punished. I don't know. But for us, prayer is a relationship. Our Father in heaven, we are going to our Father having a loving relationship, relationship. We don't have to be bound by regulations and rules of religion. That's why it's a wonderful privilege that we all have as our Heavenly Father calls us. Think for a minute of the, the terms that we've had this morning. Firstly, paternity. God is my Father with whom I can call upon anytime, anywhere, and be obedient to His calling. Plurality. I have a great family who prays for me, and I for them, and together we serve and fulfill the purposes of God. Primacy. I will live to honor God's name, that all people will worship and know Him above all else. That's our God. That's why we are here. And let these words touch our hearts too. That when we come before God, we are coming into a loving Heavenly Father. Let's learn to hallow His name in our lives, in the words that we say, in the way that we live, so that ultimately, when people see and talk to us and relate with us, they will see God through them, and God's name will be glorified and honored. And as I said earlier from the beginning, if we don't have this father-child relationship, if we do not know God as our loving Heavenly Father, then come. Come today to the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on Him and He will make you a child of God. God has called us not only to be His children, but to be His partners in prayer, in His work, in building the kingdom of God. The question is, he is looking. He is looking for those who will intercede, for those who will stand in the gap 
for those who will serve humanity in, the, in his work on earth. And our prayers are very, very important, relevant, and critical against evil on earth. God has called you and me to be the salt and light. God has called you and me to be, to be hope to those around us, to bring hope to those around us. And so let's do that. Let's pray. Let's not give up. Because as you pray, things are happening behind. Hearts are opening. As you pray, lives are changing. Your petitions as they go to the Father in heaven, together with the partnership of God's family, and along with our, our persistence with them in prayer, Ultimately, we will see God's work growing, God's kingdom expanding, and more and more being added. We are the agents in the front line here today. God has called you, God has called us. Let's not then give up this privilege. So always, let us be found praying, let us be found interceding, let us be found reaching out, hallowing His name in our lives that ultimately God is honored.